0: Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm your host for today's episode. My name is Evgenia Kutsuki and I'm the editor of the European Medical Journal. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest to discuss the subject of access to medicine, which remains a consistent challenge for the pharmaceutical industry that is so important to face head on. I'm joined by Claudia Martinez, a research program manager from the Access to Medicine Foundation. Claudia led the research for the 2021 Access to Medicine Index that was published in January this year. The biannual index evaluates the actions of the pharmaceutical industry to provide equal access to medicine, particularly to the poorest and most vulnerable populations. Claudia herself has over eight years of experience in health policy research. She has contributed to policy that has impacted the healthcare and life sciences community in areas such as artificial intelligence, health and social care, public service reform, and tech regulation. She is also a strong advocate for using the power of data and digital tools to improve the way businesses operate, but also their use in solving societal challenges. So there's bound to be a lot in today's discussion that will grab the interest of our listeners. Welcome, Claudia. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. First of all, congratulations on the publication of this year's Access to Medicine Index. Would we start with you briefly outlining the goals of the Access to Medicine Foundation and the purpose of the Index Report?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Access to Medicine Foundation is an independent nonprofit organization and our goal is to stimulate the pharmaceutical industry to essentially do more for people living in low and middle income countries. And we do this through our research programs, but also through direct engagement with companies, investors, and governments. And the program that I lead is the Access to Medicine Index. Um, And what we do is that we track what 20 of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies are doing to improve access to medicine for people living in low and middle income countries. And I would say that there are three key components to the index in my, in my view. Um, so first, it is a ranking. So it allows to compare companies' performances across the different areas that we measure. Um, and by recognizing the top performers and the leaders, there's this element of competition. So we, we stimulate competition and we, we push companies to step up their game when it comes to improving access to medicine for people living in these countries. The second point that is quite important um, is that we highlight concrete opportunities for companies to improve access. Uh, So this takes the shape of sort of very tangible, actionable steps that companies can take in order to uh, make their products more accessible, in order to improve their research and development. So these are very concrete and also specific opportunities. And finally, it's not only a tool Uh, for companies to compete for the first spot, but it's also a learning tool. So we also share best practices, and this is across all of the companies that we measure. Um, So for example, for 2021, we identified 23 best practices where we see all kinds of approaches uh, from companies planning for access very early on in their R&D processes, to companies providing really good examples of initiatives to improve local capacity in low and middle income countries. Um, So I think that all in all is, is a really important tool to ensure that we really catalyze the change that is needed to improve access and address these gaps for these countries.
0: Thank you, that's really interesting. And can you maybe talk us through the conditions, diseases and pathogens that the report investigates? And yeah. also the methodology that we use for ranking each pharmaceutical company. Yeah,
1: so, so the index looks at 82 conditions, diseases and pathogens that create the greatest burden in low and middle income countries. So we include communicable diseases, non-communicable diseases. Uh, we also cover neglected tropical diseases. Since 2014, we've been including maternal and neonatal health conditions as well, including contraceptives. And we also cover um, the priority pathogens that have been prioritized by the World Health Organization. Um, But the way that we do this and, and the way that we structure the methodology for every index is that for us, it's incredibly important that we build consensus about one, the access gaps and, and the most pressing needs facing people living in low and middle income countries, but also that we create consensus around where are the areas where we feel that pharmaceutical companies can make the most impact when, in, when it comes to um, expanding access. And every two years, we do a review of our methodology, where we do a, compre- a comprehensive internal assessment of the indicators, the methods, but also we engage with different experts from the global health community, technical experts, international organizations, NGOs, academic institutions, governments and companies themselves. Um, So for the last iteration of the index, for example, we talked with over a hundred different experts to ensure that we were capturing a variety of views and we had the best possible metrics and indicators to assess companies against. In terms of how we assess companies, um, the index uh, includes 33 indicators organized into three technical areas. Um, So we look at governance of access. So what are the steps that companies are taking to put in place the structure and the governance to facilitate access to medicine, research and development and product delivery? Um, and and obviously with every iteration, with every methodology review, we try to tweak and enhance the framework um, just to ensure that we are really pinpointing the areas where sort of companies can do most um, and can achieve more more impact. So that can be R&D, pricing, intellectual property management. Um, So that's the framework that we use, um, and that's the one that we utilize for this iteration of the index.
0: That's great. I have to say I'm very impressed by the number of stakeholders you have to coordinate and uh, the number of uh, the, your methodology and the indicators you use for each uh, ranking so this uh, sounds like a vast task to undertake <laughs> so, yeah That's so, so um my next question is what actions did the highest ranked pharmaceutical companies take to improve access to medicine for people living in low and middle income countries that other pharma companies could learn from
1: yeah so uh, there are a couple of things that that um sort of companies that perform very well on the index share, so some commonalities. Um, So one of the things that we see is that these companies really embed access to medicine into their business strategy and also apply it consistently across all of the therapeutic areas. So this means that access to medicine is actually seen as a strategic issue, not an afterthought, not something that is sort of disjointed from the corporate strategy but something that is at the core of of what companies do. Uh, We also see that the leaders uh, incentivize their senior leadership and country managers towards expanding access. And this can take many forms, right? So we see companies that lead in this area, like GSK, for example, including access-related incentives in their CEO's annual bonus plan, Takeda, also a company that that leads on governance of access, they follow a similar approach and they also include specific targets uh, for access to medicine as part of their CEO's incentives. Um, These companies also perform quite well when it comes to what we call responsible business practices. So they put in place controls to ensure that they are managing the risk of corrupt activities, unethical practices in the countries where they operate. Uh, When it comes to research and development, which is the second area that we measure, we find that leaders tend to focus their effort and investment in priority R&D gaps, but also in R&D and research and development, essentially in projects that can be particularly beneficial for people living in low and middle income countries. Uh, One of the key findings of this year's report is um, access planning. So obviously, Uh, What we would want to see is companies expanding and evolving their approach to planning for access. So that means that throughout their research and development process, they are already thinking about what they're going to do in order to ensure that this product, once launched, is made accessible in low and middle income countries. Um, And this is very important and an area where we have seen progress uh, since the last index. Um, So we see that more companies are developing processes for systematically planning for access. In 2018, there was only one company that was providing evidence of such approach, that was Novartis. Um, In 2021, now we see eight companies altogether adopting similar processes. Uh, And finally, I would say that uh, sort of R&D and and just targeting the R&D to the gaps is just one side of the coin. We also want to see companies planning um, how they're going to improve access in terms of strategies. What are the sort of concrete strategies that will enable that those products get delivered? Um, So in here, we see sort of companies that are adopting a strong approaches to ensuring access, not only for different types of products, but also for different types of populations. So we look at sort of equitable pricing strategies. Are companies thinking about different abilities to pay? Are they thinking about the different products and how they're priced? And very importantly, um, one of the biggest challenges that we see, especially in low and middle income countries, are gaps in local pharmaceutical capacity and health systems. Um, So sometimes where you have poor infrastructure or patchy healthcare services, that can really impact um, the ability to bring those treatments and medicines and vaccines to to these populations. Um, So we also look at companies and the efforts that they make in terms of improving the capacity of local healthcare systems. So these are, I would say, kind of the three points that we recognize for the leaders and the companies that perform consistently well in the index, um, they, they show this more mature approach across the three areas that we measure.
0: Yeah, it's great to see this being a, a strategic approach, as you said at the beginning, rather than an afterthought. This is encouraging and I a great step forward. Um, and despite progress in recent years, uh, the index found that many of the world's poorest countries are still not benefiting from the pharma companies' access strategies with the neediest often being the most overlooked. Why do you think this is the case? Yeah,
1: I think, I think that's a really, really interesting point and something that was um, one of the key findings from our analysis. Um, I think it's a combination of factors, uh, but I would say it has to do with two things. One is the types of access strategies that companies are utilizing, and the second, it has to do with the reach and the breadth of these access strategies. And uh, as I was saying earlier, the way that companies are actually tailoring access to different products and to different populations. Um, So I mentioned it um, already, but companies can adopt a number of different strategies when it comes to sort of delivering and, and, and improving access so equitable pricing strategies so as i said considering the ability to pay not only across countries but also within countries they can also manage their intellectual property responsibly so they can waive their patent rights they can also engage in voluntary licensing so that means that generic manufacturers can actually supply the product at more affordable prices they can also engage in donation programs um, so what we see with the index and one of the reasons why, why we feel that progress still needs to be made in this space is that many of the initiatives that companies are implementing, especially when it comes to equitable pricing and just ensuring um, that we have better patient access to pricing strategies, we still see that the approach is very localised. So these are local initiatives. Usually they're focused on one country. Um, So what we need to see is companies really stepping up their approach and and applying those strategies more consistently. So it's it's something about scale. Um, So it's not only about patient numbers, but also geographically. So this is where we see that people living in low-income countries are not necessarily covered by these types of strategies. Uh, In terms of IP and, and patents, We find that some companies are still reluctant to engage um, in voluntary licensing agreements. And also um, something that that is a a concern for us is that the agreements that we see are still very much confined to specific medicines. So HIV and AIDS, Hepatitis C, and now COVID-19. But the access to newer and more expensive products Um, requires industry action. It requires sort of a more mature, scaled-up approach to ensure that it's not only upper-middle-income countries, rich countries that get these access strategies, but also that we are prioritizing um, the poorest.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so linking to this question then, what needs to change so that pharma companies can systemically integrate access to medicine into their business practices?
1: Yeah, I think, I think um, one of the things that we find uh, is that there is evidence, actually, of pharmaceutical companies integrating access to medicine into their business practices, as I said earlier, into their R&D planning processes. And this is happening more and more. So we have seen expansion in terms of, of, of this more strategic thinking that I was mentioning earlier. Um, but I think the issue is... Um, that most of these initiatives are still very much focused on improving access to specific products and only for a few countries. So what we need to see, if if we want to see this more more systematic approach, is for companies to really take action at scale. That's that's the only way um, to achieve what we are set out to achieve. Thank
0: you. Okay, thank you. Um, We're now seeing the COVID vaccine being rolled out across the world but this is predominantly in Western countries. Can you shine a light on the reality of access to these vaccines in low- to middle-income countries?
1: Yeah, so I think think the the discussion around um, COVID-19 vaccines is actually quite timely, and it really illustrates sort of the long-standing challenges facing people in low- and middle-income countries when it comes to access. Um, So, so far, the discussion has been focused on sort of the stockpiling of vaccines by rich countries, the ability of poor countries to secure enough vaccine doses, the cost of the vaccines, Uh, but I feel that the issue is actually much broader than that. Um, So for example, in this year's index, we have included a a section on pandemic preparedness where we conclude that actually the pharmaceutical industry was ill prepared for, for this pandemic. And we really emphasize the need for pharmaceutical companies to actually start investing in R&D for these emerging infectious diseases like coronaviruses early on. Um, so back in 2018, there were no R&D projects for coronavirus diseases. For the period that we analyzed for the index, we found 63. So we, we have seen some progress. But I mean, obviously, this has been catalyzed by the current situation that we're facing. But we still find that 10 out of the 16 pathogens that could become a pandemic in the future are still going unaddressed so we have no r d projects for those types of potential viruses yeah so one one of the points that we emphasize in the index is that pharmaceutical companies don't really need to wait for the pandemic to emerge in order to take action um, so companies can start planning and researching and investing in, in research and development early on, even before the pandemic strikes. Um, back in 2018, uh, for example, we didn't have any research and development projects for coronavirus diseases. Uh, whereas now for the period we analyzed in the index, we found 63 different projects. But still, we still see that many pathogens with epidemic potential, so 10 out of 16, are still going unaddressed and no company is developing any R&D for these um, pathogens. And um, this is something that is very important. And I would say that if we're thinking about sort of access for low and middle income countries, this is sort of the first step that we need to take. And also systematically thinking about access planning and how these sort of projects, when they turn into products, they will be deployed into these countries. Um, The other point that I think is incredibly important for access is um, how companies are managing their intellectual property rights. So when it comes to patents, for example, companies can enter voluntary licensing, as I said earlier, to enable sort of generic manufacturers to actually boost the supply. We have seen a couple of these agreements for COVID-19. So for example, um, AstraZeneca's um, COVID-19 license with the Serum Institute of India, that's, that's a really good example. Uh, but we want to see more of these types of actions of companies sort of proactively engaging, not only in licensing, but also in sharing their IP. Mm-hmm. And finally, this is not only about having a vaccine. I mean, having a vaccine is sort of the first step, right? But we also need to ensure that we have continuous supply and that we are prepared to deploy the vaccines in these countries. Um, Some of these vaccines um, are not necessarily suitable for deployment in low- and middle-income countries for a variety of reasons. So vaccines that might require, I don't know, ultra-cold temperatures and storage, or um, treatments that actually require specific expertise from healthcare professionals, in order to be administered. Um, so I think there are many other components that need to be in place. It's not only about the vaccines, it's also about sort of that capacity that, that, is actually, that actually needs to be put in place uh, for these countries to actually expand the access. And I think the key takeaway for me is that now that we're seeing the more sustained commitment from companies, we need to ensure that this stays in place. So that is not a one-off. It's something that becomes um, kind of like an everyday, something that stays at the core of the approach that companies are are adopting.
0: Yeah. So something positive might come out of this whole pandemic uh, and that might be that access to medicine is improved um, worldwide. Um, So you are from Chile, but have just moved to the Netherlands where access to medicine is based. What is it that you miss most about Chile, and what about the Netherlands has captured you the most so far? <laughs> that's that's a really
1: good question. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would I I would say that essentially what I miss the most is obviously friends and family. So it's we're we're quite far away from from Chile here. So I think that's that's the only and the main thing that I miss. And in terms of the Netherlands, I mean, apart from cheese and coffee, something that has really captured my attention here is the cycling culture um, and the level of infrastructure around it and how it's it's really sort of part of people's DNA.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> it's <laughs> a great country, the Netherlands. And one day I hope to be able to visit Chile <laughs> when the <laughs> pandemic is over. So Thank you so much. This report and the work you're doing to bring attention to the challenge of access to medicine is fundamental for access to become a reality for everyone, regardless of socioeconomic status or geographical location. There are signs of progress, but still so much more that the pharmaceutical industry needs to take note of, address and carry forward to improve access to essential medicines and most urgently COVID-19 vaccines. I want to thank you, Claudia, for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast and share your findings with me and our audience. And once again, congratulations on the report. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for this week, I'm afraid, but please do tune in again next Tuesday with more fantastic guests like Claudia and to be updated on the latest insights in the world of pharma. Take care and see you soon on the podcast.